Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Father's Day to all of our fathers here this morning, and I thank God for the amazing faithful men we have in this church. So whether you are, um, let me say this really clearly, if you are a father or you are a man who gives sincerely the heavy burden of loving like a father and the leadership of the men that lead people and lead little ones like a father figure. To that, I appreciate today. And I want to speak to you as well this morning and say, happy Father's Day to you as well. Because there are people that while I lost my dad young in my life, um, there were people that spoke into my life in ways that I never, ever imagined how my life, or I could never imagine how my life would have been without that voice in my life because there are people that are not blood fathers not uh you know the fathers that would legitimately you know had a part in your life here but they have a part in giving you life here are you with me so those father-like roles i appreciate that and to them i i say to you uh, happy Father's Day to you as well, because there are roles that are being played right now that cannot be measured just by blood, but they are being measured by the eternal measuring tape of heaven. Amen? Amen. So I thank God for the amazing, faithful men in the house today. We have some amazing men, and in fact, um, not this past weekend, but last weekend, we got a chance to go away for a few days. Uh, actually, just for overnight, technically. Uh, but, but the two days that we were away, Friday night and then Saturday through a lot of the day, it was really neat being able to invest in, in, in the uh, kids that went. Some of, the, some of the kids that went didn't have their fathers with them, but we had, again, father-like roles of men that came in, and we, we were teaching them. And I was learning, actually, how to do rope ties and, and some of those things, and we just sat by the fire talking about Jesus, life, and things. How many know that's great? To, how many can have great conversations by an open fire? Yeah? And so that was really fun. But I realize how important my role is every single day when I look in this world that we live in today. How important our role is and when, when, we, when we find ourselves looking at the way the world perceives men and I... I think, uh, I think my wife said it very clearly that the world's trying to de, uh, demasculinize men, right? We're try- we can't even define men and women anymore, but I tell you, God did. And the church should understand that there's a difference between men and women. And they both have a place in the kingdom of God. We're not trying to strip the, the household of men, nor the household of women, because God has created them both. For a purpose in the house. So I can define a man and I can define a woman. And God can too. And anyone that tells you they can define a man or a woman needs to learn some stuff from God. Open the Bible and start reading. 
Because God created men and women, and they both have a part in the lives. And if you grow up without a father or grow up without a mother, there are elements that you are missing unless somebody steps up. Because each of them have a role in life. So let me be very clear on this wonderful Father's Day. If there's anyone that tells you that a household does not need a father, or that, hey, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go with two moms. That's just good enough. Or, or that's even better. Can I tell you something from the word of God? God desires a man and a woman, a father and a, uh, a mother to raise children. That's his call for the kingdom of God. I will not bend the knee to pop culture and pop trends that demasculinize our men and tell the world that we don't need them. Because I know how my life was significantly impacted by not having a father. And as wonderful a mother as I have, there are moments that she couldn't fill those spots. So God sent somebody else to fill those roles and help me to understand what it means to be a man. Can I talk to you for a moment? I'm going to tell you some things that maybe you want to hear, maybe you don't want to hear, maybe you just, maybe you haven't heard lately, or maybe you haven't heard at all. It does not matter. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're hearing me, because I need you to understand that God is looking for godly men to raise them up to be godly, D-A-Ds. And I'll explain what that means in a minute, because I believe God is uh, in the making of godly dads. And the fact that I did not have a godly father for most of my life, I did not have a father, but I did not have a godly father that was my biological father. There are people in my life that were godly that showed me what it was to be a man. So I want to talk to you about the making of a godly D. A-D. Now, why do you keep spelling it? I know how to spell dad, Pastor Tony. Those are my points, and I'll get there in a minute. But Proverbs 20, verse 6 tells us this. Ask, it's asking a very sober question. It says this, a faithful man who can find, who can find. You know, I believe that Proverbs was, was trying to hit at a point that not every man is faithful, but guess what? Hello? Not every woman is faithful either. Now, when we're talking about, now we're not talking about a marriage situation. We're talking about a faithfulness to God, their relationship with God. How many know that the cross went vertical and the cross went horizontal? This part right here is about identifying with our God. And this part of the cross identifies with man. It also talks about loving God and loving man. Loving God and loving man. And that is the wonderful symbol of the cross that helps us to understand what God is trying to do on this earth today. If, we ever, if there was ever a day that we need faithful men that know who they are. And they know that they're men. Come on somebody. If you bump into a man and you, he can't tell you who he is. There's been an identity crisis. There's been an identity crisis. The Bible declares that faithfulness is the basic rudiment, rudimentary fundamental ingredient of a character. You will not know blessing 
a part of being faithful to God. You will know riches. You will know happiness to some degree. But it's fleeting. It will come and it will go as quickly as it came. And then you're wondering, how did I get here? How come I have everything I need in this world and yet my heart is still aching for more and wanting to figure out what my purpose is? I can't tell you how many people I came across in my life who had significant, look at me, significant amounts of money in the bank. Well off, well to do, everything they have, they, they worked for and everything. And they look at me and they go, I'm not happy, Pastor Tony. Why? Because material will never bring joy. Amen. It will bring happiness. Oh, I promise you, if I'm on a yacht, Okay, and I get a chance to do some fun things. I get a chance to get on this nice boat and then pulling that tubing and I'm getting out there and I'm getting the water, whatever. I'm having a great time. No, you can create happiness with some things. But true, genuine joy only comes from knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what our nation needs more of today is men, watch this now, who are godly. Come on, somebody. Ladies. We need godly men. Men, some of you are like, but I don't know how to start. Well, I want to help you this morning. Because I believe this message is for everybody in some way, but especially men. Because the question that's often posed is, why should men be godly? Shouldn't everybody be godly? Well, yes, but there's a special call upon the man. Let me share a couple things with you here this morning. We need to be godly because Jesus Christ has shown grace upon each of us. And the forgiveness that comes from knowing him, that love of God, look at me now, that love of God that comes upon us should be shined upon the world, not kept to ourselves. So 1 John, I thank God for this verse here, and I think we're going to show it up on the screen in just a moment. 1 John 1.9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, there has to be a confession from our men. Fathers, you need to admit when you did wrong. I, I have to eat crow sometimes and go back and say, I messed up. And it's happened more than a dozen, two dozen, a bunch of times. When I have to go back to my children, I have to go back and say, listen, I snap, I'm sorry, that was not right. The biggest misconception to many of our men in this day and age in which we live is if I ask for forgiveness, I will show transparency and I will look weak. Can I tell you something? It takes more strength to say I was wrong than strength to say nothing at all. So if you really want to look strong, ask for forgiveness. You really want to be humble? Find out you did something wrong and let's see how you react to it. Because in those moments when you've done something wrong, to be the ability to stop and say, I messed up and I have no reason. I have no excuse and I'm sorry. Been there, done that, owned several t-shirts. First Corinthians 10, 13 tells us, 
There's no temptation that is taking you but what is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but with, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what is he saying here? He's saying to each of us, there's always going to be temptation. Raise your hand if you've ever been tempted. Okay, let me say it like this. How many of you ever watched what you were eating and then someone brought over a box of sweets? Okay, a lot more hands just went up now, just, just a second ago, right? You try to be good about something, you try to do something, and then all of a sudden someone's like, here's a box of brownies, I had an extra. Of course you did. Of course you did. At this very moment, you want to bring that sin to my home? I gladly take it, thank you very much. We've all been there in some way, shape, or form. I'm trying to watch. Well, I am going to watch what I eat. I'm going to watch it go right in my mouth. Okay, no, no, that's not what that means. That's not what that means. By the way, those of you that came to the bake auction, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It was amazing. We raised $1.6 trillion. That's how much sweets eater. One thing freedom knows is freedom knows they're sweets. I'll tell you that right now. But there's never been a temptation that's come into your life that's not something God hasn't already figured out for you. He's already figured out a way of escape. You follow me? We have this uh, little puppy at our house. <laughs> Social media has just called me a liar. Just now, just now. No, he's not a little puppy. He's a big puppy. But he's a puppy here. Right? He doesn't realize how big he is. He says like 70 pounds, Labradoodle, and uh, this dog does not realize how big he is. When he bites, his mind is, I'm a puppy biting this. When we feel it, it's like jaws taking your arm off, <laughs> right? So there are times that we're chasing him in the living room, and uh, there are times that he doesn't know where to do because he, know, he knows he needs to escape. So he'll back up, he'll look behind him. And then he'll jump on the, on, the, on the recliner or something, and he'll completely wipe out the, the sofa. Like, he'll take out the furniture. Like, this is not, he's like less than two years old. And he doesn't realize how big he is because he gets backed in the corner, and all he could do is just dart for some way of escape. And I think that there are times in our life we don't realize the damage that we're causing when we don't realize how big the situation is that we're in and we try to dart out of it and we, we wreck everything in, that, in the meantime. And what God is saying, listen, I planned an escape for you. When he, was more, when he was little, he used to run underneath tables and stuff. He used to escape more quickly and, you know, more stealth action. He was like a little ninja. Ninja doodle, we can call him. But now he's like a Jurassic doodle. And when he gets backed up, he doesn't realize what he's backing up into. He's knocking stuff over. And we got to be real careful. You know, I think we're, we're the same way sometimes. We, you know, we, we, we don't know where we're at. And we, we don't realize that God has created a way of escape for us. We don't have to destroy everything around us. We can go where God says to go. But we got to hear what he's saying. 
We got to listen to the Savior. I have a way of escape. Not a Winston way of escape that destroys everything in the path. But a different, the way of the Messiah is a different way than the world has a way of escape. You see, when I say we need godly fathers, here's why I believe we need godly fathers. There was a woman who's a feminist by the name of Gloria Steinem that said this. A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Can I tell you something? I would lean more like this. Children need a dad like fish need water. I'm going to say that. And I'm not going to hesitate. If you're in a situation where your child does not have a father, where your child does not have a leader in the home at this moment, this is not... This is not a knock to you. This is not a knock to anything. Your situation is unique to you. But hear me when I tell you, when the world tells you that you don't need a godly father, that you don't need a father in the household, I'm telling you that if it's a possibility to make it happen, let God know that you will, you will look to him for leadership in this direction. Because we need godly fathers and our children need godly influence. I read a poll that said roughly 70% of incarcerated males have little or no interaction with their fathers. And this is, tr- this is, a, true, this is a, a true source that 70% of incarcerated males had little to no interaction with their father. Now hear me, because I, I don't want to preach too long to you here this morning, but I want to give you some truth in it. You need to hear what I'm telling you, that there's an influence that that father brings to the household that no one can duplicate. Someone can step in and fill voids. Absolutely. But no one can duplicate. Young girls, they hardly fare better Now, let me tell you, fathers, the best way to prevent your daughters from falling into the arms of someone who takes advantage of them is to frequently hold them in yours. Our children need fathers that are dads. And I'll explain that again in a minute. Let's turn to Luke 15. Can we do that? I want to show an example here this morning of a godly dad that we look at Luke chapter 15 some of you know this passage some of you have heard multiple sermons on this passage but I want to kind of come at an angle that I think uh, will bless our men our women and every man woman boy and girl listening whether you're online on podcast or live in this room here today Luke chapter 15 Verses 11 to 32, and I'm going to read it because these words are more important than my words. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. No longer after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, he was severe, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods of the pigs that the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him and said, You're such a dork, how dare you? No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He hugged him, put his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He actually dissunned himself. That's not a real word, but he kind of dismantled his title right in front of the father and said, I'm no longer to be called uh, worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Verse 25, meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. Now, let me stop there for a moment because you need to understand something. There's a lot of, there's a second part to that story that I believe is irrelevant, so I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because uh, irrelevant to what I'm teaching this morning, just this portion. We look at this man who had all these things, this father, and this, this, One of his sons said, listen, I want my inheritance now. But you have to understand that that some of you may or may not understand this. When you asked for your inheritance before your father passed away, it was like saying, I wish you would just die so I can get what's mine. Okay? So that's a very big statement you're saying. You're not just claiming, you're killing. When you claim that, you're killing your father off. You're cutting him off. And you're saying to him, I wish you were dead. Just give me what's mine. So when he asked for his inheritance, he was in essence saying, I wish you were dead already. I cannot wait, but give it to me now. So he took that, left, went to Vegas, got himself a nice ride. Okay, maybe it wasn't Vegas back then, but. He went out and partied and he did all these things. And then one that all ran out because, hello, it will dry up. It will dry up. Inheritance was a whole lot more than just money. Inheritance, in essence, was land. It was a lot of things. But he wanted the money. Show me the money, Dad. Show me the money. His inheritance was supposed to be something that sustained him through the rest of his life. It wasn't just supposed to be a check. It wasn't supposed to be a bag of cash. It was more than that. But to him, I want it now. I want it here and I want it now. And so the father gave him that. When he went and squandered it, now the well is dry and I'm hungry. And reality sets in. I need to go back. I need to make it right. 
but I'm not going to be where I was before. That's guaranteed. So he thought. He goes back to his father. And listen, the Bible tells us that he wasn't even close yet. The Bible says afar off. Last time I checked, far is not close. Hence the word far. He was afar off. The father had his eyes. Look at me. I need everybody to hear this because this is not just for men. This is for everybody. The father has his eyes on the field. And he's looking. And he's looking. He's doing stuff. But he's looking. He's got his eyes on the field. When is my son returning? The father was the focus, not the son. See, a lot of people want to call this parable of the prodigal son because we always want to make it about us. Hello? How many, Bible, how many of you have Bibles right now that call it the parable of the prodigal son? And you heard it in the stories when you were a kid, the prodigal son. Why? Because we always want to make it about us, right? But can I tell you something right now? How many know that that story really isn't about us if you look at it? How many know that the story is really about a loving father with his eyes on the field? Look at it. Look at the story. The story was about the father seeing him afar off. And not just seeing him and said, you know what? Lock the doors. Lock the doors. He's come back and I'm going to teach him a lesson. Hello? Everybody shut the lights off and be quiet. Shh. quiet we learned about Pete this week some of you don't get it it's okay Pete he's coming no that's not what the father did the father saw him afar off and you know what he did he was deliberate in his love for his son the first D for dad is deliberate Deliberate. I'm oh, sorry, dis, disarmed. Excuse me, disarmed is the word I'm looking for. Disarmed. Why? He was disarmed because he realized at this moment he could be armed and he can go after his son and say, how dare you waste all your money? How dare you? He was disarmed. He was disarmed. He saw his son afar off and he was disarmed. He wasn't triggered. He was disarmed. And that love that he had for his son was shown. So watch this. Sometimes our children are afraid to approach us because of how we feel or we respond. Can I tell you something? Our passage showed a father that was disarmed. His urgency for his son to return was more important than being right. So you want to win the fight or do you want to win the person? Is that helpful? Because you have two choices. You can win the fight or you can win the person. But more often than not, you can't do both. You have to decide as men. Listen, if you are a man here today, I want to tell you, live your life towards your family disarmed. If, if they feel like every single time something happens, and I'm preaching to myself, because there's moments I get angry, uh, drop of a hat about something so silly. And I look back and I go, ah, I could have done that better. Why? Because I'm armed instead of being disarmed. If I'm going to be a godly dad, hello? If I'm going to be a godly dad, I need to be disarmed. I can't, my kids, 
and my wife and my family can't feel like they like every single time I'm going to be just rattling off and attacking them at every turn. I have to live this arm. So godly dads, the first D right here is disarmed. Everybody say disarmed. So, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Did you see he was quick to dress him? Why? Because his son was not looking like his son and I need to fix it. That son did not look like he was supposed to look. That's not my son. That's a homeless dude that was living with the pigs. That's not my son. Get a robe. Get a ring. Get a pig. Get it now. Let's go. He's back. That's the loving father. That's the godly figure. That's the disarmed dad that kept his eyes on the field. Somebody need to give praise to God right now for that. Come on, somebody. D, disarmed. A, available. Available. One of the biggest struggles of fathers across the board Ministry, secular, you name it, whatever it is that they're doing, these fathers. And some of you are very different places in your life. Is to make yourself available to the people that matter to you because life is so busy. Hello? Life is busy. And what we can be very, we can be very quick to work our way to get everything we ever wanted for our kids. And then we realize when we're done that they're no longer even in the house. I want to do all these things. Can I tell you something? Something has happened to me over the last couple of years. I've realized that these moments with my children, and this is for mothers too. Some of you, you, you know what I'm saying. Gone. Time. They grow, then they're gone. I only had this small window small window to invest in their life. Can I tell you something? We have to come to a place where we make ourselves available. You know, I, I, I really am very careful now as I've been really, really looking at this part of my life. If I'm having a meeting in my office or something where I'm meeting with a couple, somebody from the church, maybe there's a counseling session or something, when one of my kids knock on the door, there was a time where I'd be like, I'm in a counseling meeting. No, go to your mother. Where I would stop and go, come in. Would you excuse me just a moment? What, what is it? What, what do you need from me? I'm not telling you this to pat me on the back. Don't, don't. I'm not asking for that. But you know what I'm realizing in my life? That there could be a moment at any time that that couple that I'm counseling could leave the church. They could go somewhere else because they don't either like my preaching or like this church anymore or decide they want to try something else. But guess what? That kid would always be my kid. And they need to know, every single one of them need to know that I'm always their father. I may not always be your pastor, but they will always be my children. And if I put you over them every single time, guess what? Learn behavior. They will now do the same down the line where they put the wrong priorities in front. And I'm telling you right now, I love this church to death. I love you guys. But my children, they, everything has to stop if I have to take care of my children for a moment. 
There are times I may get a phone call and I know it may be important. But if I'm with my family, I have to take it later. Because there's this window, this window that I only have with them. And they need to know that. You need to know that. I love you. In our passage, this father made himself available because he looked to the field. Are you hearing me? He looked to the field. How available are you to your children, fathers? If, you, if they did something terribly wrong, can they come to you or will you explode? Some tough things are going to happen and you're going to have to realize that you're going to stand there with them. You're going to stand there with them. And it blows my mind. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father was, watch this, listen, filled with compassion. Fathers, you need to be available, full of compassion. If something goes wrong, full of compassion. And I'm learning this. I'm learning this. Because I have a certain way that I see things should go as a father. And they don't always go that way. And I get frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated? Because the way you planned it is not the way it's looking right now. You with me? Some of you are smiling and I know where that smile is coming from. NNBC poll discovered that by the time the average child, listen to this. By the time the average child is six years old in America, he or she would have spent more time watching TV than spending time with their father for their entire life. Hear me and hear what I just told you and let it sink in. If we don't spend time with our children, fathers... They would have spent more time watching TV by the age of six than they would have spent with you their entire lives. Hear me. This can't be. I understand TV two hours can pass quick, but what are you doing to change that that needle? What are you doing to change that? Because there's going to come a day when they no longer feel like they have to be next to you. And you're saying, I want you next to me. But they would have started their lives. And you will have invested what? Six years old. And they already spent more time in front of that television than they spent with you their entire lives. Another study indicated that the average dad spends 38 seconds a day talking to their children. Talking. Talking. That doesn't mean sitting there saying nothing. That does not count. 38 seconds talking to their children a day. You can't get much done in investing in 38 seconds. So... This leads me to my quote before I close my message here. 
That, to the world, you might be one person. But to your children, you just might be the world. D, deliberate. When the kids are looking at each other, wondering where they're going to shape their actions in their lives, they're looking to two sources, mom and dad. The father has to be deliberate in his approach and his role. And what he or she, both mom and dad, want is very important. Listen to verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. That's because the other brother was ticked off because his brother got a party. I've actually heard about people getting upset that people get saved on their die on their deathbed. Like they look at it and they go, I worked my entire life to love Jesus, and then this person received Jesus at their deathbed. How is that even fair? And it's a fair question because I've asked myself that a hundred times. How is that fair? But you know what, what occurred to me? That when I stand before him. It's not about if my name's in the book. Well, you know what's going to be asked of me? What did you do? And my rewards will reflect what I've done. So don't worry about everybody else. If you could get your house in order right here, right now, would you do it? And this brings me to my S part of the dads. And the S part is a godly dad must be saved. Are you saved? No, 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 listen. I didn't ask if you went to church. I didn't ask if you had a Bible. I didn't even ask if you read the Bible. Look at me. Every eyeball, man, woman, boy, girl, look at me for a moment. I need to ask you a question. And this is for the dads. This is for everybody. Look at me. Are you saved? Do you know what it means to be saved? The son was eating what the pigs eat. He was not saved. He was in the pits. But he didn't know his title had not been, his title had not been taken from him. When he returned to the father, the father said, my son has returned. He never he never dismantled his title the son did the son dismantled his own title but the father never did did you notice that he didn't say this young man who i really don't know very well anymore has come to me he didn't say that he said my son has returned some of us in this room you know about jesus but you don't know jesus you know about the love of god but you don't know the love of god like a saved person knows the love of God. So I'm going to ask this question today 
to every man, woman, boy, and girl with every, every head up and every eye open looking at me right now. Look at me. Are you saved? Because there's going to come a day when the books are opened. And it's a much bigger book than this one. And it's going to be opened. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in an order. And it's going to look. And they're going to look. Is your name in the book? The Lamb's book of life. That means what? There are people that are going to heaven. And there are people that are going to go to hell. If you've not heard that enough lately, let me be very clear. There is a very real heaven. There is a very real hell. And I'm not afraid to say that because guess what? My job is to evacuate all of hell and lead them to heaven. That's my job. Guess what? That is all of our job to bring someone to repentance. To allow people the opportunity to know Jesus. So D, A, D. Are you saved? See, you have a torch that you've been given by God as a father, as a man. Okay, but I'm talking to the fathers for a minute. It's not about just getting through life. But it's about ending the race with your torch still lit. That means you have to pay attention. That means you have to be deliberate. That means you have to watch. That means you have to understand your eyes on the right things because like anything else everybody's trying to blow their own hello they're trying to blow by you and get get to the end of the race but God is not looking for you to end first he's looking for you to end strong so when you run this race may it be said of all of us fathers and men on our headstone not just the day of our birth and the day that we that we breathe our last breath but may it be said that he finished stronger than he started he finished with his light lit strong and the Greeks had it right it's not about who finished first it's about who finished with their light still on amen finish with your light still on for those of you our fathers that are later in your season in your life maybe you raised your kids already can I tell you something us younger men because I still consider myself young. <laughs> paint me delusional I don't care <laughs> but you know what I do need I need those that have been through it once in a while to tell me you're going to make it stay strong stand firm you have a purpose here you have a purpose here and those of you young men that think you know it all, because I've been there, I thought I know it all at some point, right? Then I turned 16. <laughs> right? You know, you, you figure it all out. How about we open up our eyes and realize there's something to learn for every single one of us. Amen. How many are grateful for the fact that God has created you a learning being? Amen. God bless you men and continue to love God, love people, and change the world.